The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's deputy editor digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? Doing great. Yourself? I am super um, awesome. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop. For all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts, in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about Bruno Mars and Cardi B, together of course, Justin Timberlake, and Camila Cabello. Plus, we have some headlines, some sad, some happy. We, of course, talk about Cranberry's frontwoman, Dolores O'Riordan, as well as the possibility of a Jonas Brothers reunion, question mark, mm. and uh, some newly announced Grammy performers. So stay tuned for all that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Um, so let's start with the news, Katie. Shall we? Yes. Um, I'm sad to start with the the first item of the day, which is, of course, that uh, Dolores O'Riordan, the lead singer of the Cranberries, has died at age 46. Uh, formed in Limerick, Ireland at the end of the 1980s, the Cranberries became international stars in the 90s with hits including Zombie and Linger that fused the alternative rock edge with Celtic-infused pop. So... This was a really important band for me, being a you know middle school girl around the time that their albums, um, their big albums, came out in the early '90s. Uh, Keith, is this you? Were you just like vaguely familiar with them, or did you love them? What was your relationship with the Cranberries? You were in middle school. I was in college. Yes. Um. So their big their big breakthrough hit was Dreams. Mm. Um. And that was a hit in the summertime of 1993. So basically right after I graduated high school so it was December 93 as I was going into college so for like the first year or two of college Cranberries were really huge on MTV and alternative radio Mm -hmm. and you 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 heard their music all the time um but it didn't make like this great emotional impression which is where I come in as the middle school girl here's where you come in (laughs) yeah my um I actually was introduced by their No Need to Argue album which is after Linger and Dreams because I guess I was 12 or 13 when that came out um my dad even took me to a concert of theirs the No Need to Argue tour was in 95 came through uh Michigan State's campus where I eventually went to college they played the Breslin Center there and um me and my dad went to go see them and I very vividly remember that concert and sitting in like folding chair seats to see it um and because I was introduced at that album, my absolute favorite song was the first song on that album, which is called Ode to My Family. Mm. Um, 
And then I kind of went backward as I got older and went back and discovered the bigger hits like Linger and Dreams because I guess I just wasn't paying attention to radio when those ones came out. And just always loved, I mean, my family's Irish, so I kind of loved the Irish vibe. The Irish vibe might resonate with you a little bit stronger because of the, you know, family heritage. Her voice is incredible, and like, I always sang through school, and I loved singing along to their songs. Um, So anyway, the news yesterday, or Monday, I should say, really hit me very hard. Um, because it just took me right back. Like, it took me back to being 12, basically. Wow. Um, and I'm sure, I feel like a lot of people had the kind of emotional connection with that group um, uh, for any number of reasons. So I just wanted to take a little time to, you know, go on Spotify, listen to some of their songs if you're not super familiar, um, or just do like me and, you know, replay their albums for the next couple of days, which is what I've been doing. They had, um, I, you know, we, we have some stories up on billboard.com about their chart history and, mm. and such. Um, they had actually, uh, eight charting singles on the alternative airplay chart, um, including one number one, which was zombie, mm-hmm. actually two number ones. I apologize to take that back. Zombie was number one for six weeks, and then Salvation was number one for four weeks. But, of course, they had hits with Ode to My Family and Linger and Dreams and Ridiculous Thoughts and Free to Decide. Um, <laughs> and then in addition to that, they had four top 40 charting albums on the Billboard 200. They sold nearly 11 million albums in the U.S. Mm. And uh, they're, they're probably their, their, longest, their, their longest charting album was... Uh, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? Which is the one with Linger and Dreams. And um, it only peaked at number 18 on the Billboard 200, but it spent 130 weeks on the chart. Yeah. And I would suspect that it and some of uh, the, the Cranberries' other albums are likely to return to the chart next week mm-hmm. um, as we see the impact of her passing mm-hmm. on the charts. Um, and like he said, visit Billboard.com for much more. We have articles about the the 10 best cranberry songs chart history etc so there's lots of information to dig into there um moving like switching gears like we never have before um early aughts teens all over the world celebrate because there's a possible maybe question mark jonas brothers reunion on the horizon uh basically some internet sleuths are bringing this all together it's all speculation for now but the timing would make a little bit of sense because this year marks the 10-year anniversary of the Joe Bros' third studio album, A Little Bit Longer, which was released at the peak of their popularity and was their first album to reach number one on the Billboard 200 chart. First of two albums that they ever had at number one. There are little bits of evidence. Uh, Twitter users have noticed that the brothers possibly reactivated their Instagram account after five years, but some fans are insisting the account's been active the entire time. Other fans noticed that the brothers were all together last night. I mean, they're brothers. So, like, is that really news? Uh, But the backing musician who posted the photo captioned it family reunion, so everyone's just reading into it. My big question here, like, okay, we're we're too old for this. If only you all, if only you guys could see our faces right now. <laughs> Mine's just like what? But you know what? They they were they had a huge impact on the pop world when they were around, and obviously continue to as individuals as well. But like, does the world need a Jonas Brothers reunion? Um, I mean, aren't we getting plenty of Joe through DNCE and Nick through his solo work and his acting? And Kevin And through... Kevin's like a real estate agent and okay. he seems to be doing good. Um, happy family, etc. Um, you know, I, I'm not dying for it. Is the world dying for it? I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's a blip on the social media radar and, yeah. and any anything like this that trends for a moment yeah. on Twitter suddenly makes everyone get, you know, a kerfluffle. All a kerfluffle. <laughs> And 
I'm sure that there was a quote family reunion at possibly <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. So every sure. time they get together for dinner, like at their family at reunion. their parents' house, it's hashtag family reunion. Are they getting back together? Uh, I I think um, as I say um a lot. I I sure make some make some more music. I mean, I think their fans would love it um, if it ever were to happen. I think they should involve bonus Jonas Frankie if they ever make new music. Make it a full-on, real proper family (laughs) reunion then. Or go like full Von Trapp family singers and get mom and dad involved too. Who knows? Uh, Um, Anyway. Can can Kevin's kid sing yet? Yeah, good call. Once those kids... I mean, they're definitely babies. One is like maybe a toddler or something. Oh, he has two kids. Yeah, I think there's two. Oh, wow. Now maybe I'm just making things up. We clearly are are not Joe Bro fans. I, I'm not <laughs> is the kind of fan I am. <laughs> I do like Nick and Joe's uh, new adult things, though. Hmm. Um, but moving on moving to on. Uh, the Grammys, which are fast approaching. Yes. Um, more performers have been announced for the show with Bruno Mars and Cardi B bringing their finesse remix to the stage when the 60th Annual Awards come back to New York City on Sunday, January 28th. Along with Bruno and Cardi, the Recording Academy revealed that nominees Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee along with Kesha and SZA, will also join the roster. In addition, Alessia Cara, Khalid, and Logic will take the stage with a group of suicide attempt and loss survivors in a special performance of their hit 1-800-273-8255, which is obviously the number for the suicide hotline. So that is setting up to be a very emotionally powerful performance. Um, Previously announced performers include Childish Gambino, Lady Gaga, Little Big Town, Patti Lapone, Pink... Ben Platt, and many more. Um, And the Grammys air live in, like, less than two weeks, guys. Yes. (laughs) So soon. Uh, It's less than two weeks away. Yeah, January 28th. So, um, But speaking of Bruno and Cardi, I believe Keith might have a little chart news to share with us in the chart chat. Well, before we get to the chart chat, I'm wondering, Katie, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, because this is the 60th annual Grammy Awards, Mm -hmm. could there be some interesting collaborations with new artists and kind of heritage artists, uh, much in the way that we've seen in the past. On the 50th show, we mm. had Beyonce and Tina Turner do Proud Mary. Mm-hmm. And also in the past, and these are just pulled out of the sky, Madonna with Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Mm-hmm. They did a Same Love and Open Your Heart. And then a bunch of couples got married in the audience by Queen Latifah, mm-hmm. as one does. <laughs> Uh, Elton John and Eminem did stand together. Yeah. And uh, Christina Aguilera, Maya Pink, Lil' Kim, and Missy Elliott joined Patti LaBelle on Lady Marmalade. So the, the Grammys, Grammys are known for this. The Grammys are known for once-in-a-lifetime collaborations. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a big anniversary show like the 60th, you would think that they would take this opportunity to kind of celebrate the heritage of the Grammy Awards. And they're, they're sort of doing that to an extent. You know, they're probably not going to reveal a lot of the surprises. Yeah. But as we see, Patti LuPone and Ben Platt are going to do a tribute to uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not exactly sure what the specific hook to the, the performance is. I think it's maybe tributing um, the their award-winning performances. Because yeah. uh, Patti LuPone, I think, is going to sing possibly from Evita. I could be wrong. And then Ben Platt obviously will sing from Dear Evan Hansen. Hansen. Which he won a Tony for, and which that album also won Best Cast Recording, I believe, at last year's mm-hmm. Grammys. So, could this mean that Cardi B joins, you know, Salt and Peppa, Salt and Peppa, and Queen Latifah <laughs> for, you know, a you know a bunch of ladies joining together for, you know, female empowerment, like representing at the Grammys on the stage? Who knows? Yeah. 
But we shall see. But yes, I do have chart news, unless you have some thoughts about no, that. No, please. I mean, listen, the Grammys are always there for the surprises. I'm sure we'll have more to report next week and then obviously to talk about after the show. Yeah. Um, so yes, let's uh, run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts right now. Number one, Bruno Mars and Cardi B hit the top five on the Billboard Hot 100 with Finesse. Number two, Justin Timberlake debuts straight into the top ten on the Hot 100 with his new single, Filthy. And number three, Camila Cabello is in the hunt for a number one debut on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with her first album. So first up, Bruno Mars and Cardi B's Finesse zooms 35 to 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 following its first full chart tracking week of activity. It's the 15th top 10 hit for Mars on the list and the fourth for Cardi B. Fun fact, in the past 12 months, Cardi B is now the woman with the most top 10s on the Hot 100, just in that 12-month span of time. And she's actually tied with Quavo, of course, of Migos, for the most top tens overall, which is kind of crazy to think about. But she's had a good year. I would say. Um, In the week ending January 11th, Finesse and all versions of the song, not just the new remix, sold 87,000 downloads, which is up 189%. It earned 38.3 million streams, which is up 342%. And in the week ending January 14th, the song grew to 52 million in all format radio audience impressions, up 103%. So obviously all those things mean it jumped to number three on the chart. (laughs) Um, Next up, Katie's fave, Justin Timberlake notches his 18th solo top 10 hit on the Hot 100 as Filthy flies in at number 9. It starts with 79,000 downloads sold and 15.8 million U.S. streams. And on the airplay side, it jumps 45 to 32 on the all-format radio songs chart with 36 million audience impressions. I think that's actually pretty impressive considering I feel like Justin himself wasn't even thinking this was going to be, like, number one. I was going to ask you, like, is this a good sort of launching chart single reception for the first single from Justin's new album? In my mind, just because I feel like the song was kind of a weird choice and the more like little teases we get about the album, the more it seems like it's an anomaly on the album. It kind of feels like it just is like a thing to like get people excited about Justin again. It's really setting up like a main event to come. Is it a red herring? Is it a bait and switch? It might be. You know what? His, I don't know if you saw the little preview that he put up today. Mm -hmm. Um, that gives you the first like vocal tease of maybe a song called man of the woods. Like it's, it, he sings the phrase man of the woods in and it. Man of the woods. And it's and real. He refers to his own album as like modern Americana with 808s. <laughs> so basically he's doing like a hip hop Americana album. Okay. And obviously filthy does not have that vibe at all, but it sounds like the rest of the album will. Maybe he thinks it does. I can't imagine, like, the Carrie Underwood version of Filthy. <laughs> but I could of, like, the other stuff he put up, like, the last, you know, few weeks. So, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, lastly, Camila Cabello de... Uh, <laughs> let me start that again. Lastly, can Camila Cabello debut at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart next week? Hmm. Industry forecasters suggest she has a pretty good shot, but she still needs to get past that pesky soundtrack to The Greatest Showman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Of, of, of all things. <laughs> this um, is the third week, right, for it? Well, this is the second week. It's, it's currently in its second week at number one. Right. Um, so it's been number one for the past two weeks. And in the most recent tracking week, the tracking week ending January 11th, the soundtrack earned 104,000 units. And in the previous week, it was 106,000 units. So, you know, depending on how The Greatest Showman does this week, you figure, well, 
it'll probably erode a little bit. Mm. Um, it, it, especially considering that the film has been in theaters since December 20th. A lot of people have already seen it. However, it actually is holding on quite well in terms of its box office performance. It is not losing an incredible number of uh, ticket buyers each week. You know, some films erode quite quickly. However, The Greatest Showman is actually showing a, quite a, a bit of sustaining momentum. That said, you figure the soundtrack has to sort of cool off a mm. little bit. How cool it cools off <laughs> will directly impact Camila because right now forecasters that I've talked to, the forecasts are running anywhere between 80,000 and 95,000 mm. units. So if The Greatest Showman holds steady, then it's probably just outside of Camila's reach. If it actually, if the soundtrack actually erodes a little bit more, which you would think would be happening, yeah. then she has a shot. However, last glance at iTunes, Greatest Showman, I think, was the number one album, has been the number one album for the past day or two. Have you listened to Camila's album yet? I did. Yeah, same. I really like it. I, I was I was honestly hoping for a few more kind of like bangers, mm. but they're like the most up tempo track is pretty much Havana. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, there's nothing else that has that vibe, right? And and that is obviously like now her signature hit at this point. So but, maybe um, maybe she considered, well, if this is working for me, maybe I should kind of stay in this kind of sonic mm. lane. But it's like a really solid pop album. Like there is a lot of you could really choose a few things that are catchy enough to be a, a next oh, single. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, went, I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. When I said I wanted some more bangers, I mean I want bangers from everybody. Yeah, I mean I, I, I <laughs> more want bangers all the time. <laughs> I want I want like choreographed dance routines from Camila with right. a bunch of dancers behind her <laughs> and like big you know whooshing thumping choruses. <laughs> However, we can't always get what we want. <laughs> uh, and I uh, no, I would I was uh, quite happy with the album, and I think that it's clearly a personal album. Yeah, I feel like there's that's what I thought too. Like there's some nice peeks into like her kind of vulnerable side, things that she probably had hoped to express through fifth harmony songs and wasn't really able to. So she's able to get a little bit more, you know, individual right now. Yeah. So. Which is the whole point, the of, whole going point solo. of a solo album. Yeah. Um, well, uh, as always stay tuned to billboard.com for all of our updates on uh, Camila watch 2018 <laughs> and where she might end up on next week's chart. Uh, by the time, for all you know, by the time this, this podcast actually posts, we might have a more clearer picture. Stay tuned to Billboard.com. Stay tuned to Billboard.com. Okay, so now it is time for the Chart Stat of the Week. So it's a special edition of the Chart Stat of the Week because it's a Quiz Katie edition. Oh, man. And uh, the great thing is uh, uh, Katie really doesn't know what I'm going to be asking her. I have no idea. I mean, it's actually in the script, but she hasn't actually read that far no, in the script. I don't do that. But the answers are not in the script, mm-hmm. so she really doesn't know. So last week, when it seemed apparent that Bruno Mars was going to hit the top 10 on the Hot 100 with Finesse, I wondered, is it unusual that Mars would have achieved three top 10 singles from each of his first three proper albums. And I say proper albums because Doo-Wops and Hooligans was actually his first full-length studio album. Before that, he had like a four-song EP that charted for like a week that mm. no one remembers. Mm-hmm. That said, we're looking at three proper albums, so keep that in your mind. Um, that would also include sort of EPs, let's say, like full-length proper, properly promoted EPs. Mm-hmm. Put that in your mind. So, Katie, uh, can you guess... How many other acts have seen their first three albums 
yield at least three top tens on the Hot 100 chart. There aren't that many acts. It would be really fun if it was three. <laughs> it's, <laughs> but it's not. There are more than more three. more than that. <laughs> um, fewer than ten? Fewer than ten. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, eight. Six. Six. Just six acts, and they've wow. all happened rather recently. Mm. Well, recently in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I will tell you who the women are that okay. have done it. Okay. Uh, Whitney Houston, mm. Mariah Carey, Beyonce, and Lady Gaga, and that would include the fame monster. Because mm. uh, the fame monster, too many, and you might ask Gaga this, you know, the fame monster was available as a, as a standalone, like, seven or eight song project, and it had Bad Romance and Telephone and Alejandro, mm-hmm. all of which were top ten hits mm-hmm. on the Hot 100. But Bruno Mars is only the second man to do this. Who was, was the first man to do this? Was the man recent or no? No, but he's still currently an active, actively recording artist. So it's not Michael Jackson then. Not Michael Jackson. <laughs> Remember, Michael Jackson's first uh, solo albums oh, came yeah. in the early seventies. In my mind, like Off, Off the, the wall. wall was his first album, nope. but obviously not the case. Um, okay, so a man who is currently active still. Um, did he get his start in the the eighties? As a, <laughs> uh, well, as a, he was in a group before the 80s. Oh, okay. Okay. And That's a good hint. Yeah. He was, he, he first experienced uh, success, quite a bit of success in a group, and then he went solo. Interesting. And then became much bigger. Interesting. Before the 80s. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And, uh,. And so he did this in the 80s, and it was basically in the early to mid-80s that he did this trio of Ooh, singles. Lionel Richie? Lionel Richie. Yes. So Lionel, of course, was in the Commodores, an R&B funk group in yes. the 70s. and they Brick had, house. House. <laughs> Lots of hits. And then Lionel went solo, and his self-titled debut album uh, yielded the hit Truly, which went to number one, You Are number four, and My Love, which went to number five. Then his second album was the huge album, Can't Slow Down, and he clearly could not. (laughs) He had five top ten hits from that album, All Night Long, Running With The Night, Hello, Stuck On You, and Penny Lover. And two of those, All Night Long and Hello, both went to number one. Mm -hmm. And then he followed that up with Dancing On The Ceiling, which had three top ten hits, Dancing On The Ceiling, Love Will Conquer All, and Ballerina Girl. Doesn't it kind of feel like that's like a pretty good parallel, Lionel yeah. Richie and Bruno Mars? I think so. I think so too, because it's like huge, huge acts with huge hits, but it's not like Michael Jackson level of like fame and obsession, you know, like the people. This absurd, weird level y- yeah. of you're in another world. No, it's like they're both like these like really like reliable pop stars. <laughs> reliable and uh, artists that you could, you they aren't like untouchable yeah like they're huge but yeah. they have a sort of they're real air. humans yeah and like <laughs> i immediately think of lionel richie hosting the american music awards i believe it, it was the american music awards when i think it was either prince or michael jackson was winning like every award and mm-hmm. uh, lionel richie's catchphrase was outrageous it's outrageous and he would like <laughs> wag his finger in the air but lionel always came across yeah. as just, like amiable you know nice guy and Bruno seems like a fun nice guy ooh let's get a Lionel this Bruno a collaboration really good, yeah, what if I they collaborate on the Grammy Awards hey, it all comes full circle full circle moment. Grammys make it happen well there's your chart stat of the week uh, Bruno Mars joins a very elite club of acts that have found steady single success with their first three albums 
Let's make that Lionel Bruno collaboration happen yeah. on the Grammys. Yeah. I mean, Bruno's already going to be there. Yeah. What could they do together? Um, mm. Mm. Think about like their songs. Like I feel like they probably have songs that would fit really well together as a medley too. And you know, Bruno has done this on the show before because he had that that big medley with Sting, Rihanna, and the Marleys. Doing right this, after you know, he was getting flack for uh, kind of locked out of heaven, co-opting being very, Sting, yeah, yeah, <laughs> co-opting the police, very police esque. They're like, let's just fix this right now and have him perform. With <laughs> well, then Sting. maybe Bruno needs to perform with Teddy Riley at uh, the Grammys and and do finesse and etc. Oh, like a, a very new Jack Swing new kind Jack of swing uh, celebration. Yes, yes. It's a new Jack Swing celebration with Lionel Richie. Yeah, or maybe not. <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll get see. back to you on this. <laughs> Tune in in less than two weeks to the Grammy Awards. Um, all right, so what song should we go out on? Like a Lionel song? Yeah. Or a, or a Cranberry song? We've already heard let's, a little bit of Cranberries. Let's go on a happy, happy note. note. Um, you know, dancing on the ceiling, for goodness sakes. Whoa, what a feeling. <laughs> see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.